The big question is this, how do we use cycling as a tool to improve our health, our happiness, and our longevity? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Anthony Walsh, and welcome to the Roadman Podcast. Well, hello, all you beautiful cyclists. It's Sarah, and I am here solo today. Anthony, unfortunately, is too sick to record newbie questions, so you're stuck with me, I'm afraid. But he'll be back next week to tell you all about a new adventure he's headed off on. Now, today I want to give you a guide to the new-ish and very confusing relegation system that the UCI have enforced and it's coming to a close in the coming weeks. Anthony and I mentioned this in an episode a few weeks ago as to how no one really seems to have a real grasp of how the system works. Well, after some research, I can tell you it was designed in a very confusing way by the UCI and the term smoke and daggers comes to mind. So at the end of 2018, the president of the UCI, David Laporte, announced a profound reform of the UCI regulations, which came into force on the 1st of January 2020. Now, initially they wanted to bring in the new rules. They wanted to bring them into play almost straight away, but it was deemed it was too short notice and the three-year cycle was created. So what is a three-year cycle? So staying up as a world tour rider will be based on the total number of points that you have won in the last three seasons. So 2020, 2021 and 2022. And at the end of this year, after the points are counted, only 18 teams will be given license for the following three year season. So that's 2023, 24 and 2025. The teams at the top of the world tour, obviously they have nothing to worry about at this time, but at the bottom, okay, yeah, we're seeing a bit of a fight going on, a bit of a dog fight. At the end of the three year period, every team that wishes to hold a world tour license will have to apply for it to the UCI. And because this is the last year of the current cycle, the UCI will be reviewing the applications and issuing licenses for the next three year cycle commencing in 2023. Now, it's not just points that the UCI are looking for. That's important to say. There are other, there's a couple of other things that the, you know, uh, criteria that the the teams must meet. Some standards are, you know, having an ethical team setup, financial solvency, and then they look at how the team as a business is run. So are they organized? What are their administrative practices? Boring things like that. (laughs) But back to getting points. How does a team gain points? So only the points from the top 10 riders from each team count each year. So they pick up points at all the UCI races, And these top 10 riders, if they head away and they're representing their team in national and international championships, they can also bring those points back for their trade team. Simple enough so far, right? Win races, get points. But the UCI have made it kind of confusing. To say that the way the points are allocated is a little hard to understand is an understatement. One day races have loads of points compared to stage wins in stage races. For example, a UCI 1.1 race such as Classica Jean gives 40 points for 6th place, while a Tour de France 6th place in a stage gives 0 points, which is a bit weird, right? Now, Classica Jean, although it's a very well-respected race, In layman's terms, it's about three or four rungs down the ladder from a race like the Tour de France. 
Now, I can see why the UCI wanted to do this. I guess they want to encourage the riders to go to all of these races, whereas previously they might have been ignored. So how do we know what team is where on the leaderboard, you ask? Well, this is a real bone of contention for everyone. The UCI don't release the rankings on a regular basis. They say they are the proprietary owner of the system. So unlike in football, where you can literally go online, open any newspaper, ask any dog on the street what team has what points, the UCI keep this really close to their chest and only occasionally release this information to the teams and only occasionally release this info to the teams. This is pure madness. So although you can obviously tally up your own team's points, there's no way you're going to be able to see how your competitors are doing on a week by week basis. I mean, how would you even go about knowing if a team gained points for their 10th ranked rider in some obscure race? Then multiply that out by 17 teams. But thankfully, the internet to the rescue and there's some very studious people out there and the rankings that you usually pull up online, they're not actually official UCI rankings, but they're simply a table that's been created by fans. Now, that's not to say it's not accurate, but come on, UCI, just pull your finger out and give us an updated rankings each week. I think it's only fair for the riders and the teams. Also, if one of your riders transfers to a different team during the three years, he does not bring his points with him. The points remain with the original team. So the system rewards the best 18 teams of the last three years with World Tour access, whether they are from the World Tour or Division Down, which is called Pro Conti. A team that's in the top 18 and in the World Tour, well, they have the right to attend all the World Tour races, including the all-important Tour de France. And World Tour status is a really big deal. It makes teams more or less attractive for sponsors. And if a team is relegated, well, usually there's built in clauses for sponsors and some riders will also have exit clauses so they can jump ship. Now, points are not only given out for, let's say, the top 10 riders in a race, but points given to the riders that follow the leader is on a case by case basis for each race. So this means we're going to see a lot more teams fighting for 15th position, let's say, or riders sprinting for 14th place in a semi-classic. So backers for the relegation promotion system say that it injects urgency into racing and rewards success for teams that consistently perform. Reported in Velo News, former UCI president Pat McQuaid questions world tour relegation and says, why change it if it's working well? He says that this relegation system is rife with pitfalls and could hurt teams and riders and perhaps even backfire in the fight against doping, which nobody wants to see. Just this week, movie star have blocked Alejandro Valverde from traveling to Australia to race at the UCI Road Cycling World Champs because they want the Spaniard around to avoid relegation from the World Tour. So even though Valverde could go to Oz and win and gain points for them, Movistar has opted to keep him racing locally, where he'll probably do about four races in the time it would take him to get over and back from Australia and then recover from travel, jet lag, you know, all that kind of good stuff. This is another example of how the trade teams can affect a nation's chance on the big international stages. And we are going to see more and more of this. The Canadian, Mike Woods, well, he's currently helping Israel Premier Tech fend off relegation and he was quoted this week saying from the top rider in the peloton to the worst I think the feelings are unanimous that the regulation system doesn't make sense for a lot of reasons and he goes on to say 
from a UCI points perspective and how it's weighted, from a perspective of how it favours small races, it encourages weird racing that I think is less intriguing and entertaining. And I think that's a common thread amongst riders. Matt White, who's a sporting director for Team Bike Exchange, said, I don't agree with the system in general. White told Cycling News, if there are 20 teams with the budget to join the World Tour, Why are we removing teams? If you look at the last 10 years, we've struggled to keep enough teams in the World Tour. And for the first time that I can ever remember, we've got 20 teams who have the budget to be viable addition to the World Tour. So why are we keeping teams out? And that is a really good point because it's very expensive to have a World Tour team. So if we can have 20 or 21 of these teams, why not let them have go at it? That's as much sense as I can make the whole thing, everyone. (laughs) I hope it cleared up some questions for you on the entire thing. I'm always saying that this is a beautiful sport, but sometimes it can be a little bit complicated. So until next week, all my cycling lovelies, keep your questions coming in to me at sarah at roadmancycling.com. Safe pedaling this week. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Have you ever wondered how good you could actually be? Each of us has a unique set of circumstances with work, family and social obligations, but we also want to fulfill our potential in cycling. Okay, okay, maybe you won't ever win the Tour de France, but for most of us, this is what cycling is about. So let us build you the perfect training plan around your lifestyle that's totally unique to you and will help you finally realize your cycling dreams. So whether you're just getting started on the bike or if you're a more seasoned cyclist, we have a suitable coach for you. So why not schedule a call with us and we can have a chat about how we can help you go further than you ever dreamed of in your cycling and fitness goals. Go to roadmancycling.com forward slash contact or pop me an email directly to sarah at roadmancycling.com.